going to John chapter 11 today. Beckus mentioned it. Today is Palm Sunday. Why is it Palm Sunday? Because the Sunday before Passover, when Je- we, we know the story of Jesus' death in our place. And we're going to really talk about the resurrection next week. But the Sunday before, he came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey and crowds were waiting to meet him and welcome him in. And if you've got a brain in your head, you might be thinking, why were the crowds welcoming in Jesus? What's going on? What is happening here? And there's a reason those crowds were gathered to welcome Jesus. And so we're not going to talk about the triumphal entry today. We're going to talk about the backstory to the triumphal entry. And it's found in John chapter 11. John's gospel is the only one that tells us this. And it's actually the story of Lazarus, of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Not long before his own death and resurrection. Lazarus lives just two miles about outside of Jerusalem. So he's close to what the, you know, if we were in the Muslim world, they all talk about Mecca and they would want to like, we're going to make our pilgrimage to Mecca in the Jewish world. Obviously Jerusalem is the center of their world. And at this time of the year, everything is revolving around Jerusalem and Passover and Lazarus lives just outside of the city in this smaller town called Bethany. I'm just going to, I'm going to read this. It's going to take a little bit. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It's for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going to go there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days 
Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who's coming into the world. And when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus deeply moved again came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor for he's been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. And when he'd said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, what are we to do? This man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it's better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. 
He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Woo! told you it was going to take a little bit. It's quite the story. Quite the story. It was as shocking in Jesus' day as it would be in our day and is in our day to see the dead raised. Shocking. I've had two good friends, leaders in churches, who uh, were very sick and on the brink of death. And they both said, if I die, if I don't come through this, not just me, but the whole team of us, a whole leader, a bunch of us leaders, we want you to pray that God would bring us back. But don't be surprised if we like it where we are and we don't come back. <laughs> Basically, don't be offended. But then he was a pastor of our church in, uh, in uh, Missoula, a guy named Steve. And Steve said, Everybody wants to see the dead raised. No one wants to be the dead guy. No one wants to be the dead guy. But everybody wants to see a miracle working God, right? Everybody wants to see God move in power. We all want to see breakthroughs. But the only way you see big breakthroughs is you have big trouble. You have big problems. And what we see in this story is Jesus not just coming and fixing things, but allowing big problems to develop. Because he has a bigger plan. And he has a better plan. And we're thinking, God, bring the breakthrough. I need the breakthrough. Now it's getting bad. Things are getting desperate. Mary and Martha are like, Lazarus is on the brink. We need Jesus here. And he says, he loved Mary. He loved Martha. He loved Lazarus. And I laugh every time I read it. He loved them. So he stayed where he was. And he let him die. Anyone ever feel like God has let you die? Or God has let, like, so let your dream die, your friendships die, your marriages, like, oh, God, why didn't you move? Why didn't you bring the breakthrough we were looking for? It's because he has a bigger plan. This illness does not lead to death, Jesus said. It's for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, like, it doesn't lead to death, and then Lazarus dies. But that wasn't the end of the road, was it? It led through death, and there was life on the other side. God lets us go through things that seem to be killing us. He lets us lose the job. He lets us lose the relationship. He doesn't heal us when we want it. He doesn't just fix it because he has a better plan. 
And Jesus says to his disciples, it's for your sake. For your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. So that you may believe. Now, they already believe. There's an element, like Peter has said, you're the Messiah. This is, I, I, this is who you are. I, I get it. You're the Messiah. Except his idea of what the Messiah is was completely messed up. He was thinking in terms of Jewish rule and authority over the other nations around them. Like, we are going to win. We are going to take the Romans out. And the Messiah is the one who's going to make, he's going to set us back in our place of ruling and reigning. And we're going to rule and reign over the nations around us. Yay, us. Go, Messiah. And Jesus is like, you don't get it. You don't get it. You don't even understand (laughs) who I am as the Messiah. I'm coming to die. He says, for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. Why? Because their belief needed to grow. Guys, so does ours. No matter how much faith we're walking in, you may have seen lots of people healed. I've seen some people healed. I love it when that happens. Got to pray for my brother one time and his knee was all messed up and we laid hands on him and he goes, whoa, what's happening? I said, I have no idea what's happening. What are you talking about? He goes, my knee is just hot. I'm like, okay, I feel nothing. I'm like, feels normal to me. He goes, my knee's just really hot. I was like, okay, God, do what you're doing. And, and then he gets up and he goes, my knee's healed. Oh, cool. Go God. You know, like, amazing. I had another friend who came to church one Sunday morning, comes hobbling in with a broken ankle. I'm like, why are you here? He said, I was on my way to the hospital, and I felt like God said I should come to the meeting first and get prayer and then go to the hospital. Some of you have heard me tell this story. He comes in, I, I pray for him, and no one's, it's like the worship team is there practicing. We pray for him. I'm like, anything? He kind of tries to move his foot. He's like, no. It was, this is really gross. I'm sorry. But he goes, no, still crunchy. I'm like, oh, why are you even here? You know? And I just, I just went, I laid gently, laid my hands on his ankle. And I said, deep, you ready for deep theology? I laid my hands on his ankle and I said, crunchy, get out in Jesus name. <laughs> I got no grid for that. Crunchy, get out or crunching. I think that's what I said. Get out in Jesus name. And he goes, whoa. I was like, yeah, you know, he's like, starts like moving his ankle around. He's like, I think it's healed. He starts getting up, walking around on it. He goes, I think I'm going to stay for worship. And God did it. But my other friends, I told you, like they said, if I don't make it through this, we want you to pray that God would raise us from the dead. Guess what? They didn't make it through it. They died and they stayed dead. It would have been really cool. We said all the right things. We prayed all the right prayers and they stayed dead. Now they were with the Lord. So none of us were too worried. (laughs) Like they're just fine. God leads us through things. Sometimes it's those fun stories. If my friend hadn't broken his ankle, we wouldn't have that fun story to tell about Jesus healing him and and boom, on the spot. 
He leads us through great, great trials and he leads us through struggles because he's going to get glory on the other side. And he's going to stretch us. He'll lead us into this place where he's stretching his disciples. I'm glad I wasn't there so that you may believe. I love Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And so I'm not going to go right away because he's going to stretch their faith. I'm not sure how much Lazarus had to have his faith stretched in this story. And many people are around. Many have come to console Mary and Martha and to grieve with them. And if you know anything about Middle Eastern grief, it's loud. There's wailing. They they come in. It's one way that they honor the family and they honor the dead is they just let the grief out. It's actually a pretty healthy thing. But they also would have paid mourners and that's just weird. I don't understand it. They would come and grieve loudly for you. So there's this crowd as Jesus and his disciples are coming into Bethany. And Martha leaves. She finds out they're coming. Martha goes out. Mary doesn't even get up. This is real grief. This is is real stuff. They're close with Jesus. This is some of Jesus' best friends. And Mary doesn't even get up. She's hurt. She's broken. But Jesus has got a plan. Martha believes. She believes in Jesus. She believes her brother's going to rise again on the last day. She believes that God will give Jesus whatever he asks. And yet, she doesn't even seem to have a grid for asking Jesus to raise her brother. She's like, I I know he's going to rise again on the next day. And Jesus uses the moment to teach. And I hope you can all listen. He says, your brother will rise again. I am the resurrection and the life. Where do we find the real life that we're looking for? Where do we find that resurrection life? It's in Jesus. I am the resurrection. He said, not just that you're going to rise again on the last day. I am the resurrection. I'm what you're looking for. I'm the life you're looking for. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. There's a promise on the other side of the grave, you guys. Though we die, and if it seems like this has led us, you know, you say, hey, this illness doesn't lead to death. And you're like, yeah, well, I think this is it. There's life on the other side. There's a hope on the other side. There's a, there's a, eternal life with Christ on the other side. And on the last day, there will actually be, Martha understood it, there will actually be a resurrection where the way that we were designed from the very beginning, body and spirit together, we will be reunited and we'll live in actual bodies for all time. Jesus is the same. He took on actual flesh, human flesh, and we will live together with him in actual bodies for all time. That's cool. 
That's really good news because, guys, we live in a fallen world. We live in a broken world. There's sin in the world. There's violence in the world. The stuff coming out of Ukraine, like, all the time. It's like, oh, my gosh. There's death in the world, but death isn't the end. Though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who believes in me shall never die. And he says to Martha, do you believe this? And she says, yes. My question to you is, do you believe this? Do you believe this? This will fuel your faith. Uh, I remember when, when Steve Valentine, Steve, when he was sick, he hadn't died yet, but I preached a message to the church. And it would, when you're going for things in faith and you're standing for things and like, oh, I'm contending for healing. The risk is that our faith moves from faith in Jesus to faith in getting the right answer that we want from Jesus. And we move from faith in Christ to faith in healing. And I remember preaching this message to the church. I called it bedrock faith. And I asked the church, what if Steve dies? That was not a popular message, let me just say. What if Steve dies? Everyone's like, we are speaking it in faith. Steve is not going to die. I already told you, Steve died. And I felt from the Lord, you've got to preach this message. You've got to lay some foundation for the church because their faith is in the wrong place. Martha says, I believe you are the Christ the son of God who's coming into the world. And she says this with her brother lying dead in the tomb. She says this having not gotten the answer she wanted, having not seen the breakthrough that she wanted, and yet she can say, I believe you're the Christ. And she even says, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. She just had no grid that Jesus could actually ask for her brother. And then Jesus wants to talk to Mary. And I love this because he calls to the one who's grieving too deeply to come to him on her own. She's so hurt. She's so, ugh, she can't even get up to go to the one who's the answer. And he calls, he sends for her specifically. You guys, if you feel like you've just got nothing like, I got no get up and go to go get Jesus. Jesus is going to come get you. He's going to send for you. And what happens when he sends that word to her, she gets up. And she comes to him and she's weeping. She falls at his feet. She's still broken, but she's coming to Jesus. And Jesus is deeply moved. And this word in the Greek is powerful. The word embrimaomai. It implies not just that Jesus himself is grieving. It's that Jesus is really ticked. He's indignant. It's like there's this righteous anger in him. Literally, this word, it comes from a root that means to like snort. You ever see like, like war horses or when horses are getting like aggressive and they start snorting? It's that kind of a word. Something is going on in Jesus when he sees his good friend grieving and weeping and he sees the brokenness of the fall of man. And remember all the way back in Genesis, 
If you eat of the fruit, you'll surely die. And he's seeing this playing out. He's seeing this separation that was never intended of the human body, our flesh that, you know, that we live in and our, our spirit, our soul. It's meant to be unified all as one. We're not supposed to be this like, well, my, my religion's all in my head. It's all, it's all in my heart, but it never is like, you know, my actual physical body doesn't really matter. Yes, it does. And he's seeing the separation and he's seeing the grief in his friends and Jesus weeps. He's he's mad, but he knows what he's going to do. I am the resurrection. I am the life. I'm going to remedy this. But you guys, just because Jesus knows the end, he knows how it all works, doesn't mean he doesn't relate to your pain. He does. He weeps with her. He's got the solution. He's already got a plan, remember? I love her, and so I'm going to wait. He says to his disciples, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you'll believe. He's got a plan, and yet he's grieving in the middle. Guys, he's grieving with you in your grief. He's grieving with you in your brokenness, and he has a plan. And the next thing he says is, take away the stone. And practical Martha is very practical and says, it's going to stink. We should not do this. There's going to be an odor. He's been dead for four days. But Jesus says, take away the stone. It's like Jesus saying, give me access. You willing to trust Jesus with some access into very dead areas in your life, areas in your life that you're like, dude, that's going to smell bad. This is going to look bad. Take away the stone. It's like pulling off the band-aid. Maybe even like, I don't want to get gross, but pulling off the scab. (laughs) Jesus says, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And so they did what he commanded. They took away the stone. And then Jesus prays. And this is just a side note. I love that he says this. Father, I know that you hear me. I'm praying this for everyone who's listening. I'm praying this for their benefit. That they may believe that you sent me. This is so cool. And I hope some of this may, this will help you guys Some of us, we get together and we pray and we like to pray. Some of us like me are really long-winded. Me and Matt. Matt and I could just go for hours and just pray and pray and tell Jesus everything and ask Jesus for everything. And just, we're going to have a great time. Some of you are like, oh, I don't even like to pray anything when we're in a group. Jesus didn't need to have this out loud prayer with the Lord. He actually says, I'm saying this, I'm praying this for the sake of those people who are listening. It helps to build other people's faith when they hear you pray. Jesus prayed things out loud on purpose that he didn't need to say 
out loud to build the faith of other people. And I hope some of you who like you're kind of like self-conscious about praying, I hope that even this little example from Jesus can help you think, wow, it's really not about me. It's about building the faith of others uh, around me. Okay. Obviously, we're going somewhere with this, right? Jesus' love leads us out of death. Out of that place of the smell of death and into freedom. Jesus brings us into a strength that you can never find in your own. You're never going to find it in your own strength, in your own power. Lazarus was dead. You can talk to a dead guy and you can ask a dead guy to do all kinds of things, but he's dead. It's like talking to people who are not Christians and expecting them to act like Christians. They're dead. They're spiritually dead. They cannot, they cannot live a life that is honoring to Christ. You can't do it consistently. They may have moments where they can do good things. You can, you can do things that are a great blessing in the world. But you can't tell a spiritually dead person to be alive unless you're Jesus. <laughs> Jesus can speak to a dead man and say, come out. Lazarus, come out. Jesus' voice has to carry a serious authority, not to convince a dead man to come out, but to actually speak life into a dead man. He has authority over death. He has authority to bring life. And if he didn't have that, nothing would happen. And this would be a terrible story. (laughs) Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. And he didn't. The end. But Lazarus comes out. What happened in that cave? What happened? Life returned to Lazarus. His body that was dead is now alive. His heart begins to beat. His lungs begin to breathe. Blood begins to flow through his veins again. Like his brain begins to fire and his muscles can respond. And this man who was dead is able to respond to Jesus' words, Lazarus, come out, and he does it. He heard Jesus' voice and he was empowered to obey Jesus' call. This is crazy cool. This is the Jesus we serve, you guys. He's not just speaking to you and, and, and calling you to do things that are impossible, like, hey, dead person, get up and come out here. He's empowering you to do the impossible. You go, I have blown my life so badly. How can I possibly be an honor to Jesus? How can I possibly bring glory to Jesus with this mess? God speaks into the impossible and enables you to do impossible things. And Lazarus comes out. This is like, this is one of those scenes. There's two spots in the Bible where you get these, where do all these Walking Dead movies come from? Zombie movies, right here. 
And there's another one right after Jesus' resurrection. As, as people are coming out of the tombs, wrapped in their grave clothes. So he comes out, still bound in the grave clothes, and Jesus says, unbind him and let him go. Isn't this amazing? Jesus has just raised a dead man. He's just given life to the lifeless. But now he says to the people around, unbind him and let him go. Lazarus has been brought into life. The smell of death is still on him. Guys, when our friends are coming to Christ, and I hope you're inviting friends, especially for next week. I hope you're inviting friends. If you haven't yet, please do. We're going to preach straight up, Jesus saves. (laughs) It's a great week to bring friends. You know what happens when your friends come to Christ and your friends come to life in Christ? They still smell like death. (laughs) And they need... I'm saying they because it's much nicer to say they than it is to say we. (laughs) We need the smell of death to be taken off of us. And we need each other. God's designed it this way. You come in and you're like, I still feel bound. Well, God wants you unbound. And that's why he puts us together. And Jesus says to them, unbind him and let him go. We need this. We need the help of others. You need this. You need the help of others. I need this. We need to help each other. So they unbind him and they let him go. And word begins to spread like wildfire. The people who are around who witnessed this, they believe. Many believe. And others run and tell the religious leaders who then begin to plot Jesus' death And we find out the beginning of chapter 12, not just Jesus' death, also Lazarus' death. They want Jesus out of the picture and they want Lazarus out of the picture because he's evidence that Jesus is legit and everyone who's opposing him is opposing a legit God-ordained Christ. And the high priest prophesies as they're freaking out because they're like, if this happens, we're going to have full-on revolt. Rome is going to come. They're going to destroy us. We're going to lose our place. We're going to lose our nation. And the high priest, who does not believe in Jesus, actually prophesies and says it's better for one man to die. He's just thinking execution. Let's kill him and we'll keep our nation. And in John's gospel, he says, no, he's prophesying that Jesus is going to die not only for this nation, but for the nations. And he's going to gather the scattered across the nations. He would gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. And Jesus does this. We're going to talk about it more next week. We're going to talk about it on Friday as we uh, celebrate with other other churches, our Good Friday gathering. Jesus goes to the cross. His love leads him to death and through death, just like Lazarus, only better. Leads him to the cross and through the grave on our behalf. Guys, I'm going to wrap it with this. Jesus has done it.
He has power not only to heal, but he has power over life and death itself. He has power to call us into life. He truly is the promised son of God and savior. Again, he asks Martha, do you believe this? And my question to you is, do you believe this? He's calling us out of death. He's calling us into life and freedom. Whatever your grief is, I don't know the depth of your grief. I don't know the depth of your private struggles, but Jesus does. And he's calling to you right in it. He's calling you in your grief and he's leading you into a deeper faith. How is he doing it? This is the part we don't want to hear. By leading us through trials, through the valley of the shadow of death. You know that from Psalm 23? Through the valley of the shadow of death, but he won't leave us there. He won't leave you there. Even if you die, he won't leave you there. Father, thank you for this story. Thank you for this backstory to Palm Sunday, why the crowds are gathering to a Jesus who brings life out of death, gathering to a Savior who can literally raise the dead to life. And Jesus, I thank you that you are raising the dead to life every day. All across the nations, across the Muslim world, the Hindu world, the Buddhist world. Across the nations, the post-Christian world. You're raising the dead to life. And we thank you for the way you are leading all of us into life. And we just invite you. And if you're willing, just say it to him. Jesus, lead me from death into life. Jesus, lead me into your freedom. Get glory in my life. 